Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me today for part two of the interview series with the Payson Scottish Festival. Before we get to that, let me give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They produce the finest quality products for expressing your pride in your Scottish or generally Celtic heritage. I have two kilts now from them. I love both of them. Their customer service is awesome. And if you go over to YouTube, you can find them at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. They have a ton of cool stuff. I've been watching some of their material really recently, last couple days, and I found out all sorts of good information there about wearing the kilt, uh, faux pas, how to, how not to, but then also they've got some really cool stuff on just general Scottish history, um, culture, so go check them out at usakilts.com for their storefront or at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions on YouTube. All right, so getting to the episode, the, the content for today. All right, so our content for today is a continuation of what I did the last episode, which you don't need to hear the last episode to understand this one, but it's a an experience I had at the Payson Scottish Festival. There were all these really cool clan tents, and I only got to four of them, but I'm looking at this as kind of the, the I don't I call them a practice run because the conversations I had with the, the four different clan tents I went to were legitimate, but the uh, it was it was my first time doing it and so you'll notice some some audio problems i didn't trust my mic enough there's a lot of background noise and i felt like i needed to talk over it and so you'll notice that when i'm talking it pops my my guest did a lot better than me at just talking like normal and the little lapel mic that i had picked it up great did a great job you can hear the background noise the party the the music the, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the background you can hear it but uh, it, it did a better job than I thought of, of, of pushing that out and only recording what was, uh, what was being spoken into it. And I just didn't trust it that much, so I felt like I had to talk above it, so I'm talking really loud and, and it pops. So you'll notice that. So hopefully it doesn't take away completely from the value of the content. I think the conversations that I had with for this episode, the Young and the McGregor tent, were good, and, and I, I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to I'm going to get to it here. So the last episode I did the Campbells and the McDonald's. If you want if you're interested in hearing my conversation with those clan tents and the people in those go back and check the previous episode. For this, like I said, it's the Young and McGregor. I'm going to start off with the Young interview and then that'll be followed by the McGregor interview. All right, this is Clint with Scottish Clans podcast and I am here with Helen Bemis and she is with the um, the Clan Young tent, and we had a good discussion yesterday. I'm at the Payson uh, Scottish Festival in Payson, Utah, and I stopped by their tent yesterday. We had a great conversation about the Youngs, the Border Reavers, and how awesome the history is from that part of Scotland. The, the Highlands and Islands get a lot of the attention, but the border area was had a pretty cool history too, and so. Mrs. Beeman here has been kind enough to take a few minutes with me and talk about Clan Young and her ex personal background experiences with this. So, um, just the first question, do you, you want to give us a little bit of a background on yourself? Well, my family, we're from um, 
my my husband is from Clan Young. I'm from a, a different clan, but we've been involved with Clan Young for about 28 years now. And so our kids have grown up coming to Scottish games, and we love it. It's such a rich heritage, and it's just so much fun. Um, he he's from his great grandfather is actually from Scotland, and moved here um, when he was young and so we have just got a whole bunch of Scottish heritage in the family and it's it's been a lot of fun to encourage that with our kids to get to know their roots so um, you said he's he's the connection to clan to the to the young yes. kindred here yes. uh, you said you have some connections too but you didn't yes. mention anything about that where which Scottish kindred are you connected to we go with clan cyan um, but it's not a pretty common clan, so we stay with Young, and I've been involved with it for many years now. Awesome. Well, I definitely have seen the Young name on lists of known border reavers. Yes. And, you know, we do a lot of, we do, we ask the question a lot in this podcast, and we've been doing it for a little while now, and, you know, is this, is this surname a clan or is it not a clan? And for sure, the border kindreds, they're pretty established as being a clan. The, the 1587 Act of Parliament that was, that the, the Scottish government acknowledged that region of Scotland as having it. And we've, we've gone in a lot of detail about maybe some other areas of Scotland that maybe are less connected, but for sure the borders. Um, so how did you get, so it's through your husband that you got knowing about the, the Youngs. How did you actually get connected to the organization itself? Well, when we found out that he belonged to Clan Young, that was his name, um, he was later adopted, so we got hold of Clan Young and said, hey, he's adopted, but he was born a Young, and they went, whew, yeah, you're Young, you'll always be a Young. <laughs> so the Clan actually sent somebody to this games, to the Payson Games, and we met them here um, 28 years ago. And we talked with him, and he said, you guys are great, and you're now in charge of Utah. So at that point, we got appointed as regents for the state of Utah, and we've been working with them ever since. Well, that's, I think there's a lot to be said for people who show up and are willing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are willing to do that, and it's cool to see you in this position here doing what you're doing. Um, okay, so... Um, we do a lot of discussion on this podcast about the uh, the ancient clans and how they operated versus modern clans. And I'm starting to get into this, like, take the opportunity while I'm around all these clan societies here at this festival to learn myself a little bit more about the, the idea of clan today. And so what what does it mean... In your, from your perspective, to be a member of a clan society in a more modern sense, like like with your relationship with the Youngs here, and and what what does it mean to be a a member of this clan society from your perspective? Well, we really love the Clan Young. They actually have organizations in Austra Clan Young Australia, Clan Young Canada, Clan Young United States, and Clan Young Scotland. And so our, our groups stretch across the globe. And uh, we stay, I know we stay in touch a little bit with the Clan Young of Canada. They have some great information. Uh, one of the guys up there wrote a beautiful book on the whole history of the Clan Young. 
and uh, when they had the international reunion of clans I know a lot of people from the United States went over to Scotland and met with them and so we really are a global organization and so it's been nice to not just be a small little group but to reach out across the globe to other people who are involved with with the clan young oh, that's great thank you for, for that perspective okay so as somebody today I'm not a I don't have anything against it I just haven't joined any clan societies yet what why would you say somebody should join a clan society today well we joined clan young because of the fellowshipping uh, we know a lot of people across the country who work with clan young I know the clan young has scholarships that we give out and we work towards donating scholarships and um, they also do a lot of family history and genealogy. We get quarterly newsletters of what's going on with other people. And so it's been nice to stay in touch. You know, we've talked about going to uh, Scottish festivals in other states. And uh, we've gone to a few of them, but we know when they're there and we know that Clan Young will be represented. And it's great to just meet other people from the clan and to interact with them. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, I get... A lot of people reach out to me, um, you know, they see the podcast about the Scottish clans and they are excited about their heritage and I've got Scottish ancestry and then they dive into asking more genealogical questions and so something that st stood out to me about what you just said was the ability to network because I don't, I don't offer a lot of help to them, like I'm not a genealogist, I study the history of clans in general and individual clans but as far as connecting somebody's own family tree back to that clan I'm of little assistance and so if I understood you correctly if that's one of the things you said would is the advantage of joining a modern-day clan society is to plug into this network of people who are working on their ancestry and they might have already done some of the things that you're trying to already learned some of the things already have access to records and you don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to your family history you can, that can facilitate your own research is that correct yeah that's absolutely correct we ha we are really large into genealogy helping people find their history within the clan young and i know clan young has also established like a dna database so that you can get your dna checked and interact with the rest of the clan and see where you are on that family tree so it's a big deal to us we really care a lot about it that's pretty cool the DNA aspect came up with the McGregor's my conversation with them um, I, I also couldn't help but think while you're telling me that of the um, not just the youngs of people who are listening to this and they don't have necessarily young ancestry but they have others from that region have you have you seen because I mean they don't they don't oh, we hope they didn't only marry within themselves but uh but they married, you know, they, they extended, they had these alliances and intermarriage between these different clans. And so I couldn't help but imagine that if they have ancestry from the borders or specifically the part of the borders that the youngs are from, anywhere in that close vicinity, that it would be helpful maybe to plug back in because they, they're, they're, um, they're connected. Or they might learn something by learning about the youngs that might help them in their own. So there's, there's, more, there's a broader advantage to this than just one specific clan or surname 
When we first joined, I was told Young is a very common surname in Scotland. I, you don't think of it as a common Scottish name, but it really is. And so we're excited to have as many people as we can to interconnect with. Um, there's actually some, the, the origins of the Clan Young are on the borders with the Reavers. When the Reavers used to be the raiders and they would raid back and forth between Scotland and England. And they were really very ferocious for quite a few hundred hundreds of years back and forth but there were also youngs um, associated up at Forfer and one of our ancestors uh, Sir Peter Young was actually a tutor and like gentleman of the bedchamber to Mary Queen of Scots son King James and so um, we we have ties to Forfer as well as down on the border region so I'm sure there's a lot of people that have interacted with our clan members that that's really good to know as people are trying to research their own family history and make those connections uh, we, we see that with other surnames as well where there's more than one place in Scotland where that surname pops up and sometimes they're related and sometimes they aren't are the the youngs from the Forfer area are they connected by blood to the ones on the borders or do they just share a common last name that might be useful for somebody working on their own genealogy i honestly i'm not sure about that one but i know in the clan it doesn't matter to us we'll, okay. we just if you're young we'll take you and welcome you to the clan and get you working and participating well that's good to know that's good to know so whether you're uh, whether it's actually can trace your line unbroken right back into the border country into those youngs or whether it comes from a different part of Scotland altogether they'll take you yes. well here's a big question huge question will you take English youngs and do we have to <laughs> they're English um, it depends if they're from the border region of Scotland that border between England and Scotland moved consistently I mean I don't think it ever stayed the same on a permanent basis so if you're from that region the chances are pretty good you're Scottish but if you're from southern England find someplace else <laughs> yeah good luck okay well um, that's that's she brings up a good point right there they sometimes even if the border didn't move sometimes their allegiance moved depending on I, I I've heard stories of border reavers having both patches like a patch of the english flag and the scottish flag and wearing whichever one suited them the best in the moment um i know the grams played that that the, the branch of the grams that were down on the border played that card rather well and so um yeah that's a really good point to bring out northern youngs go ahead and bring it on in um northern england i should say okay cool well let me one uh, one last question on my part and that is what has been the most interesting thing to you about the youngs as you've got to know your husband's lineage and and get a little bit plugged into that and maybe learned a little bit of history um, is there anything that sticks out to you that you find fascinating or more interesting than other things well the most fascinating thing I have found about the clan young is the Christina young tartan when the Tartans were banned after Culloden in 1745. This lady named Christina Young, she had a piece of tartan and she didn't want to destroy it or over dye it and, and take it away. So she wrapped it up in oilcloths and protective cloths and buried it. 
and it was dug up in 1939 and to this day it is the largest piece of tartan to survive the banning it's 17 feet long by seven feet wide and it's currently in the museum of tartan in scotland and um it is starting to be reproduced um, now, but it's really difficult to get your hands on. And so when we have people come to our, our booth, that's one of the things I talk about. And people are just fascinated with the history of the Tartans and how people survived after that, after Culloden. And so that, that's, you know, just a little piece of history that I really like. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, that I had never heard of that, and that definitely now I'm curious, and I want to go dig into it more and and learn more about it. Um, so, in closing this this conversation, first of all, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day. You could be talking with these people that are over here at your tent right now, and I'll let you get back to that pretty quick. But um, is there anything that you want to tell my audience that could promote what you guys are doing? Where if they wanted to, if they heard anything in this that they wanted that piqued their curiosity and makes them want to become a, uh, close, more closely connected with this, where could they go? Where would you have them go? Well, I know Clan Young has a website, and you can get on there. There's all kinds of information, uh, good connections. Uh, I'm on that website frequently, and I think all the clans have really developed websites so that people searching for their roots can find them. Get online and dig it up and research and you'll find what you're looking for because it's out there. That is awesome. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes with me. Um, and I wish you the, the best of luck with the rest of your endeavors and specifically here the rest of the Scottish Festival. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate Helen for taking the time out to, to speak with me at the Young Tent had a good discussion with her both Friday night when I introduced myself to her and those in the tent with her and then the following day which this recording was done on Saturday the next day so I'm grateful for her and before I go into the McGregor interview I'd like to give a word to my sponsor USA Kilts guys I've, I now have two kilts from them and I you know I really saw so the the first kilt I got from them was my nice McFarlane one and it's a very high quality a wool kilt, just everything that you would expect. If you'd never worn a kilt before and you're imagining what it would be like, that's that kilt is it. Very, just like I said, very high quality. Um, and then I've got all the different pieces that go with it, like the belt and the hose and the, the flashes and the sporin and all that stuff. So uh, I've been very pleased with all that. Then I got that second kilt, the casual kilt. And the casual kilt is I love it because I can just take it out. It is not, it's it's like a third the cost of the the five-yard wool kilt. And that means that I can take it out. I can take it on hikes. And I have done this. I've been this summer. Tis the season to hike, especially when you've got a Dutch Shepherd, which is super high energy and needs the exercise. And so that's a good incentive for me to get out and about. I live kind of on the fringe of the, the built-up area, so after me, it's mostly just desert, and I have a, some places I can go and get back into, and I'll, also there's some cool mountain trails if I go east, uh, some more alpine-looking scenery, but I like getting back in there and, and hiking around, and I can wear that casual kilt without worrying, is it going to get dirty, is it going to catch on a twig, is it going to, all that stuff, I just wear it, I can break brush, I can, I, I don't break brush a lot in a kilt, but um but I do like hiking down those trails, and I do like wearing the kilt, especially in this hot weather, especially 
It has been hot lately. So usakilts.com is a storefront. The YouTube channel is USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. Go check them out on YouTube. I think you'll really enjoy their content. I've been consuming their YouTube content a lot lately. And by a lot, I mean I've a few key videos that looked really interesting. They do a really good job at anticipating. You've heard me say this before, if this isn't your first time, at anticipating what questions people will have. I think they keep in good memory the questions and the feelings they had when they were first getting into wearing kilts. So go check them out. And it's not just kilt stuff on their YouTube channel. It's it's Scottish culture and heritage. There's some history stuff. There's I don't know. Go check them out. I think you'll I think they've got a ton of content on there that you'll really like. All right. So we're gonna get now into the McGregor interview. I really did appreciate this interview and and uh, the opportunity I had to visit with a couple of people that were so knowledgeable. And so I'll I'll turn you over to them. And I hope you enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Clint. I'm at the Payson Scottish Festival in Payson, Utah. And I am sitting here with Stephen Argyle. Do you go by Steve or Stephen? Steve. Either one of them is good. And, and he's got quite the team. And Lois Ann Garlitz. And they are running the, the McGregor tent. And Stephen's got some family members with him. And. Stephen, Lois, you said you were out of Cokeville. Cokeville, Wyoming. Cokeville, Wyoming. And remind me where you were, where you live. I'm in Stansbury Park, Utah. Stansbury Park, Utah. Cool. So I wanted to just go around and talk to the different people. I focus a lot on the historical period of the Scottish clans, everything leading up to Culloden, basically. Um, not that that was a hard bookend to the Scottish clans, but that's kind of where I focus is from the origins up until then. And I'm kind of interested in learning a little bit about the more modern aspect of the Scottish clans, the Cla- Scottish clan societies. And so I'm here with Stephen and Lois, and I've just got a few questions to ask them. And, uh, and I sure pre- just want to tell them how much I appreciate them taking a few minutes with me for this. So, Stephen... How did you become interested in your Scottish heritage? When I was, oh, probably in fourth grade, my grandfather and grandmother went on a trip to the British Isles. Um, Our family had come from the British Isles in 1856, and my grandfather brought home uh, a coat of arms of the Duke of Argyle and several touristy books and postcards about Scotland. And that just grabbed my, my interest, my attention. Argyle, we must, we must be Scots. And uh, pouring through the book on the Edinburgh Castle, there was a page and a photograph of the Argyle Tower and of the Argyle window, a stained glass window in the St. Giles Cathedral in, in Edinburgh. And from that moment on, just the idea of, of, of Scottish heritage just filled my soul. I, I had no, no real knowledge, no genealogical knowledge or anything, but, but, but it, it just felt so right. And uh, so I, I read and learned all through my school years about Scotland and Scottish history and clans, and it wasn't until... I came to the Payson Festival probably 
sometime in the 1980s looking and 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 I said I'm I'm Argyle I must be related to the Duke of Argyle but he's a Campbell and, and I went and said I'm Argyle and they said we don't have any Argyles in our clan that's a place not a surname and so I looked around and looked around until I found the McGregors and they said that Argyle was one of the aliases taken by the members of the clan when they were outlawed and so from then on, I've, I've associated myself with the, the Clan Gregor. And here you are in the McGregor tent. Here I am. Um, let, me, let me just tech check this. All right, Stephen, I appreciate you explaining, unpacking that connection with your last name because I would have just assumed that Argyle was a camel connection. And so my next question was then, how does it fit in? But you explained that really well. Lois, how did you get into your Scottish heritage and ancestry? I mean, not just learn about it, but get excited about it. Well, I, I knew about it from an early time because I visited my grandmother in British Columbia and uh, she knew about the McGregors. And so, and my mother bought my sister and I a little tart now, Fitz wasn't McGregor, but we had these when, when we were like four and six years old, and it just stayed with me, and I knew that the family had a diary from my great-grandfather. Wow. And so as I got older and learned about my calling in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about the genealogy consultants, said, well, I've got some of that stuff. Let me go see what it is. And so I began to read the diaries, and then just, um, I was invited to go to um, what we call an annual general membership meeting for the American Clan Gregor Society. And so I went to see what that was all about. So they gave me the job, you know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you showed up basically and said, I'm interested. Yeah. yeah. But you do have, via your calling at church, you have some skills with, with actual genealogy. and. Yes looking things up that's cool because I get a lot of people reaching out to me by virtue of this podcast asking me about more genealogical questions which is it's a related field but it's it's a little bit different skill set I think um, that I'm not particularly good at so it's cool to hear that you've you've had some experience with actually making connections and building well, family trees so if they're so, keeping their family trees, so should we. That's right. Why waste it on the cattle, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point, good point. So, um, how, so that explains how you got to be involved in, because that was my next question, was how you got to be involved in the organization, the, the, the society end of things. Because a lot of us out here, I, I'm not... You know, I'm connected probably most directly to the McFarlands, but I'm not a member of any society as of now. I'm not opposed to it. I just haven't done it. And so um, I'm, I am just a little bit interested. Uh, Stephen, you didn't, would you tell us how you got connected to the actual McGregor? Like you got a place in this tent and you're in charge of stuff around here. And how did you, how did you get into this? It was Los Angeles. <laughs> Well, you and, I kept you, coming 
every year I kept coming to the, the festivals and I would always stop at the, the McGregor tent and talk to Lois Ann and to Dodd Greer, another one of the old standbys here. And, and I, I just kind of, you know, got to know them and, and just felt the excitement every time I came. My, my wife was very tolerant. <laughs> when, my, when my children were small, I would play bagpipe music on the CD player and they would get up and dance with wild abandon. My wife would look at me and say, it has to be genetic. <laughs> and, uh, but I kept coming and, and, and Lois Ann said that, you know, you ought to fill out a membership application and, and join the society. And I did that and, and she told me, you need to take the, the DNA test. And so I did that. He came and he said, I, he came and I said, he said, I think I'm a McGregor. I said, well, do your DNA test. So I did. And you, you found out what through that DNA test? <laughs> the DNA is complicated and the science is not yet really sure. But, but it said, yeah, there's a possibility. But, but still the only sure way to, to link up with a clan is, is with diligent family history work. But before long, you know, I, I put in my membership application and before long I was invited by the chieftain of the society who's back east someplace to, uh, he asked me if I would be willing to serve as the Utah area deputy chieftain, which I've done now for six years which means I'm responsible for making sure we have a presence at the festivals. And my tenure is coming to an end with this festival. Wow. Okay, so I, you made a point there that I really like, and we spent a lot of time talking about that on this podcast, is that you said there's no substitute for just doing your genealogy. I don't think it was the same exact words, but that was the idea. We get a lot of people who said, hey, my last name's this, and I looked it up online and we're a sept of this clan. Maybe, right? Maybe you are. Do your genealogy. You have to tie it back in. There's lots of, I don't know, let's just go with Nielsen. Not all of them were connected with the Mackays or the McKays. They, uh, you got to do the genealogy. You got to trace it back and you got to know because there could have been a lot of other Nielsens who had no connection whatsoever to the Mackays of way up in Strathnaver. And even then there's three different, there are two or three different Mackay, major Mackay kindreds who are not necessarily related to each other. Anyway, I like it. Do your family history. Nothing replaces that. All right, good. Did you want to add to that, Lausanne? Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, we say genealogy, but it's really, it's a paper trail. Prove to me who your parents were and who their parents were and they get their marriage certificate uh, who filled out their death record to know that they know them well enough to know who their parents were. You know, it's... You have to have at least two proofs written... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Documents? Records? Official records. And sometimes those are hard to find as the further back in time you go. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the genealogy part of it's it's no joke. Like it's 
that's a real real deal like you that can be really hard especially if you've had other genealogists in your family and a lot of the low-hanging fruits gone and now you got to like really become a bloodhound and start figuring things out okay i got a question that i think would be a good one for both of you um that is what is it we want to kind of dive into the concept of these the more modern day clanship the, the, the not necessarily the clans as they were anciently but the clan societies and and what is it what does it mean to be a part of a clan society today who which of you would like to start off on that one it's it's an interesting question at uh, one of our society gatherings what about four years ago our chief Sir Malcolm came from Scotland and, and actually spoke on this topic of clanship in the 21st century and he commented on how the enthusiasm for clan associations is so much greater in the colonies in Australia, in New Zealand, in the United States and Canada than it is in Scotland. Even though there is a Clan Gregor Society in Scotland that's well over a hundred years old, and our American society was founded in 1909, but in 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 the 21st century, it addresses that that basic human need of belonging. Where where did I come from? Who who are my people? I have a name. I have a history, I have a lore, I have legends that, that are part of who I am. And, and that feeling of belonging, I think, is, is at the core of everything. On top of that, there's a layer of just any other sort of society, whether it's the Fraternal Order of Eagles or, or a church congregation or anything else. It, it's that need for people to gather with, with some common link and socialize. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Lois Ann, would you like to add anything to that? Not particularly. No. Not particularly. <laughs> that was a no. Uh, no, I, I think that's, that's, that's really well said. Um, that touches on something really deep and inside of all of us, all of us to one degree or another. Um, so then let's pretend that somebody's they've got a good close-knit family, they've got other organizations, like you mentioned, the church congregation was an example you used. They've got that, that part of their soul satisfied. They belong. Why, why should somebody join a clan society? Why, why not? Go ahead. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> if you if you love your family as you know them, uh, further back in time, wouldn't you like to know them too? You're going to go meet them one day, you know. <laughs> and so why not why not find out about them now? So you're just taking that that family that they already have, maybe, yeah. and you're just extending that same concept out in a broader sense. Yeah. And I really do think that strikes at the core of, and I, I think maybe that's a. Uh, that's a connecting element between the clans of Scottish history and how the, you know, the, in the traditional sense of that term and this idea today that is the same in both is that, that kinship. It's, that, it's a kin-based 
organization. And that is as true today, I think, as, as it was ever. Um, yeah, I probably am not going to ask anybody's chief if I can, like, who about who I'm going to marry. If the clan chief of the McFarlands or anybody else called me up to go kill other people, I probably wouldn't do it. So it's a little bit different, but that kinship, that, that kindred, that family connection, I think, is as true today as it was anciently. I think that's a really good point. Um, one last question. What's your favorite, what, what's the most interesting thing to you about the McGregors? What, uh, either a historical thing or a concept, an element of the, the culture that's uniquely McGregor, what's your favorite thing? Tenacity. The entire clan was outlawed. Every man, woman, and child in 1603. Um, they were forbidden to use their name. And yet they they held out, they went underground, they changed their names. And 171 years later, when the prescription was finally lifted, they came back. Many of them resumed the McGregor name. And it's probably summed up in a line that Sir Walter Scott wrote in a poem. A little emotional for me. Yeah. Um, while there's leaves in the forest and foam on the river, MacGregor, despite them, shall flourish forever. Well done. Well done. That was so good. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, Lois, and your turn. What's your favorite thing, element about being a McGregor, that whole kinship? I don't know about the favorite one, but I think it was just loyalty to my family was what I kept wanting to know more about. But that's a good one. <laughs> Tenacity. That is so good. All right, cool. Well, um, is there any way that I can assist you guys while I've got you here to promote your the, the clan society? The what, where can I tell people to go to be? If I, there's McGregor's listening to this, and they want to jump in on this, become a part of this organization, what could I have them do? Go to the internet. The website is a c g s u s dot org that's for american clan gregor society us dot org uh, search the website site there is information there's applications for membership online there are connections to our genealogical committee to help people who lois ann happens to chair so yeah, find us online. There's there's the Clan Gregor Society based in Scotland. You can also Google and find um, lots of information online. Thanks, Stephen, Lois, Ann. Anything to add to that? Last words? <laughs> well, if you can't remember, just just go to Google and put American Clan Gregor Society, and that will take you to it. You know, another good technique. Lois Ann, Stephen, thank you so much for letting me take a little bit of your time. I'll let you get back to all these people that have been walking by and looking in here. And 
probably I need to get out of the way. So thank you so much for letting me do this with you. No, sit, sit right there. I'm gonna get my camera and take a picture. Okay, no. great. Do you want me to keep it rolling? Do you want me no. to keep going? Turned off. All right, my sincere thanks to Stephen and Lois Ann for sitting down with me for a little while. They just seem to be really neat people. I enjoyed my visit with them. They knew their history, and and uh, I wish them well. I hope you enjoyed. This is a completely different, this last episode and this one, with completely different types of, of episodes than what I usually do. It was fun to get out and be able to interview some people. I'm still planning on being able to do that more remotely in the near future by being able to reach out and having guests on, scholars, um, other people in this in this space and on this subject who know their stuff and being able to interview them and share those conversations with you guys. So don't give up on me on that. In the meantime, I will continue to have good content on different Scottish clans. If, um, if you have a recommendation for a clan, which everybody does, will you send it over to the Scottish clans at gmail.com. That's the one I'm using for now. I'm building up a website, getting some things set up, going to take this this whole effort to a new level. Um, I'm working on an online course right now to put out to you guys that I think you're really going to join. I think it's needed based on a lot of the conversations that I've had since I've started this podcast. I really think that a, an online course on the origins of the Scottish clans and how we get those today would be really good. So, but I also really like talking about individual clans. And so more episodes to come will be focused on individual clans, highlighting certain cool things about them. And if you would like me to highlight your clan, will you send that to, like I said, the Scottish clans at gmail.com? Now, just one um, disclaimer on that not every Scottish surname was a clan. And so if you send this to me and say, hey, do this on clan such and such, I have to have some kind of clan history to draw from. So if there is no, so some of the, some of the clan histories, the quote unquote air, air quotes here, clan histories, they don't really focus on, they focus on an individual family. Okay, this dude was the Earl of this or the Lord of that. And then he did. He was involved in in Bannockburn, or signed the Ragman Roll. And then his, we see his grandson being involved in this, and picked this side on this war. And then this guy, this guy's descendant. And it's just about this one line. And there's never any mention of a kindred, a broader kindred, as opposed to, hey, the Macintoshes and the Camerons kindreds had feuds, and it involved the whole clan. And it was the government had nothing to do with it. It wasn't this political, and, and often there was some overlap with political stuff. But um, I don't know if it, it, some of it just looks like it's just the story of an aristocratic family, like you'd find anywhere in Europe. So, um, but if you reach out to me and say, "Hey, hey, this major Highland clan has not been done yet," I want you to do it. Or, "Hey, this is a clan that a lot of attention has not been given to, and I'd like to see something done on that." So I will take them. And those requests at that email address I gave you. Now, I also would like to um, say that I'm very constrained by sources. Everything I do is online. I very, do very little 
um, visiting libraries. I think I, it was because I started this podcast, I lived in the middle of nowhere. And all I had was an internet connection. I did my whole master's program online. And and that's how this whole thing, it was really the catalyst that got this whole thing going. Now, I do have some libraries close, but like my local library doesn't have very much on this subject. And to get a bigger deal, I'd have to go into the, like the BYU library, which that's where I did find Kinship and Clientage by Allison Cathcart, which was huge that I was able to get my hands on that. Um, but I am constrained by sources, just so you know. So if you say, hey, um, I'd like to see my, my ancestors were from this clan. And if you it really, it'll, it'll really increase your likelihood of me responding to that request in the way that you want me to if you give me some leads on sources that I can study. So that's, that's one of my big constraints is what sources do I have? Uh, that's why it's been so easy for the Campbells is because they've had so much work done on them. The McDonald's have had so much work done on them. So this, but if you have a request, you know, it never hurts to throw it out there, right? And a lot of my episodes in the past that I have done on individual clans have been responses to listener requests. So go ahead and try it out. And until next time, Marsh and Leib and Drasta. <laughs>